We are going tonight to go to where we left off, exactly where we left off on Sunday morning in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And we're going to start with verse 11. And we're going to look at the title tonight, Ambassador of God. You know, God has given you a call on your life. If you have uh, been saved and you've given your heart and life to Jesus Christ, He has given you a call. He's given you a ministry. He's given you a ministry as an ambassador of God, of, of His salvation, of His uh, uh, salvation that He wants to not only pour out on you, but on others, and He wants to use you. If you could tonight stand with us, we're going to read the rest of that chapter. I'm going to cover a couple of verses past that uh, during uh, as we speak tonight, but we're going to look at Ambassador of God. Verse 11 says, and I'm going to look, we're going to go through these verses in detail. So some of them is maybe a little hard to understand, but we're going to go into them a little deeper. It says in verse 11, knowing therefore, by the way, let me back up. Verse 10, we need to understand why he's saying therefore. For we must all appear, remember this first Sunday, we all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Knowing that, that's what it's saying, knowing that, therefore, the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. But we are made manifest unto God, and I trust also are made manifest in your consciences. For we commend not ourselves again unto you, but give you occasion to glory on our behalf, that ye may have somewhat to answer them, which glory in appearance and not in heart. For whether we be beside ourselves, it is to God, or whether we be sober, it is for your sake. For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge. And if one died for all, then were all dead. And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Wherefore, henceforth, know we no man after the flesh. Yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. Verse 17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. I'm going to stop right there, and we're going to look at the rest of these verses in just a few minutes, but we're going to look at this topic of ambassador of God, ambassador of God, and tonight, if you would, is we're going to pray over this, and if you'll just follow me as I go through these verses. Heavenly Father, we come before you tonight, and we thank you, Lord, that God, that you love us so much that you gave us your life, that you gave us your all, Lord, that you love us so much, and oh God, I pray that God, tonight, you would speak that you would move, that you would deliver, that God, you would challenge us and call us and let us realize that we have a call upon us, God, that you want us not to just take what you've given us and it's just for us, but God, you've given it to us for a purpose that it doesn't just stop with us, but God, others needs to know the good news that you've given us. God, move tonight, challenge us, God, and let us go forth with zeal to reach others for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Ambassador of God. 
ambassador of God. God is God. Listen, some of us, it's, you know, we, we think, well, you know what? I don't have any, God's not giving me anything to do. I love just coming to church and hearing some good stuff sometimes, hopefully. And I love coming and, and being with friends and family and all that stuff. But I, you know, I, I really don't have, no, but that's not, we're going to look at tonight. You've been, God has got given you a task to accomplish. He's given you a task to accomplish. And where we left off Sunday and says, and, and that's a sobering thought. Hey, we're all going to stand before God one day. Now, if you look at when the, Paul's the one's writing this, prison epistle, he's writing this. He's in prison. He loves the people, and he, but he's challenging them. And his eyes now, we already seen Sunday, his eyes is, is actually off. He's not, he's not focusing on things here. He's looking at the eternal. He's looking at the turn. He's already, his eyes is looking toward the things of God. But that makes him even more zealous that he realizes his time is short and therefore he needs to accomplish what God's given him to do with all of his might in a short period of time. So he's encouraging the church here to realize the call that God's put on his life and that God is trying to put on their life if they'll just hear what he's got to say. So he says that because of the seriousness of what's going on, it says in that verse 11, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord. That word terror is talking about the awe. It's like you see something that is so uh, magnificent, so powerful. It's, uh, it's like that light that shone on Paul on that road to Damascus. It was the terror of the Lord that knocked him off of that horse. It was the terror of the Lord that was the mighty power that changed his life. And he's saying, because knowing therefore the terror, how awesome, how mighty, how holy God is, his next words is his mission statement. You ever heard of a mission statement? It's your goal. It's what you're doing. It is the purpose, the summary of everything we do. And that's what he says, knowing because of who God truly is, we persuade men. There's one thing you can count on. When Paul walked into a town, he wasn't walking in looking for the best restaurant. He wasn't walking in trying to find the softest bed. He came into town, and the first thing he did was try to find out, where's the synagogue? Where's people gathering I can talk to? And he was making his way so that he could persuade men and women to God, to let them know the good news. And so today he's letting us know that it doesn't just stop with him. He's getting ready to end his journey, but he's trying to tell them in that day, and he's trying to tell us in our day, our purpose in life is to do exactly what he's asking them to do, persuade men. You may say, but I, I'm not very good at that. I'm kind of shy. I don't want to talk. But let me tell you something. We're going to look at some reasons it should be easy. It really should be easy. I, and I think we're going to see that before it's over with. But it says that, goes on in verse, one, uh, verse 11. But we, talking about the terror that we reason because of that, we persuade men. But we are made manifest unto God. And I trust they're also made manifest in your consciousness. What he's saying here is God knows our hearts. And God knows that we are sincere before Him. And He's saying, and I believe you, as you hear this word, as this letter is being read. See, when He wrote these things, He wrote these in letters. And they were brought to the churches. And they were to be read in the open service. And so Scripture would be read. And then letters from leaders like this would come where they would encourage them. They would challenge them. They would exhort them. And He's saying there, I think you all know that I am sincere with my love toward you. And not only that, God knows I'm sincere toward Him. That's my number one goal. I want to satisfy him. And that's one of the things that we need to be doing too. So he's letting them know I'm serious in what I'm doing. He goes in verse 12 and says, 
For we commend not ourselves again unto you, but give you occasion to glory on our behalf, that ye may have somewhat to answer them, which glory in appearance and not in heart. What's he talking about there? He, what he's saying there is, he said, look, we're not trying to uh, uh, brag on ourselves. We're not trying to get you to think we're anything because we're not. He said, what he's saying here is we're trying to let you know that there is a difference of what's going on inside of us than some people. Some people that was coming to the church, they were worried only about one thing, an outward appearance. Have you ever seen anybody like that? To where, and maybe we even, I've even been guilty. Sometimes I was more worried about the outward appearance than what was truly inside the heart. We can put on a farce. We can go through the motions. We can dress like we should to go to church. We can talk like we should to go to church. We can carry the Bible like we should. We could be there on time, sing the songs, go through the whole thing. But what he's saying, there's a lot of people that it's in the house of God and they're there and they're putting on a pretense. They're going through the motions. But if God's who's the one that looks on the inside, but there's nothing different on the inside. And he's saying here, we're not trying to brag on ourselves, but we want you to know we're not worried just about the outside. But what's on the inside is the genuine article. It's the real deal. And we love you, and you know that, and we're encouraging you today because what's on the inside is what the real truth is, and we want you to understand that that be part of your life. And it says in verse 13, it says, For whether we be beside ourselves... And this is almost funny here because it says whether we be beside ourselves, it is to God or whether we be sober, it is for your cause. What he's saying here is he's saying that some people say we're a little bit radical. Some people say we're a little bit, I'm a little bit crazy is what he's saying. Some people say you've got so much zeal. You're so excited about the things of God. Man, you are radical. You have lost your mind. That Paul is, is, is off his rocker because all he talks about is the things of God. Everything he's so passionate about the things of God. Hey, we just need to just settle down a little bit. You know, that stuff's important, but hey, I remember... Uh, B.H. Clendenin uh, was talking about he had a, that, this made me just think of that, he had a young preacher coming to his church when he was pastoring in Beaumont, Texas. And, and it's important you make sure the right people get in your pulpit. So this guy came with him and he was starting revival. Uh, that, uh, they, he preached Sunday night and on Monday he wanted to play golf. And he got, he got uh, at, uh, he didn't, Brother Clendenin didn't know that. So Brother Clendenin got up that morning, took the guy to eat, and he was talking about the things of God. And he was trying to, you know, he, Brother Clendenin was a prayer warrior, and he was trying to get this guy in prayer with him. And the guy kind of stopped him and said, Now, Brother, that's all fine and dandy, but let's not talk shop right now. He said, I, 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 I was wanting to play some golf today, and let's just not talk shop. And Brother Clinton said to him, says, buddy, what you call shop is my people. <laughs> That's my people, and uh, this meeting is over. And he ended the revival right there. Why? Because this man what didn't have the zeal that he was looking for because who's going to stand in his pulpit and try to lead his people? He wanted them to have this fervor for the things of God. And so Paul's saying, some people think I'm crazy, but I'm not crazy. I'm just fervent for the things of God because I realize how time is short. I realize the price is worth it because souls are in the balance and I'm just I love you so much that I give my all and so he's saying some people think I'm crazy but I'm not it's because I love you so much and he goes on in verse 14 and it says for the love of Christ constraineth us that word means it totally uh, uh, commands every move they're making it's saying that the love because of what God had done inside of Paul 
He's saying everything I do is totally controlled because of the love of Christ. Because of what He's done for me. It impacts not only the way I look at Him, but it impacts the way I look at you. And he's talking about that love of Christ. It's changed him from the inside out. And he's telling us, he's encouraging us tonight to say, is God's love, do you feel, do you feel when you get saved or even when you're in the altar service or, or God's moved in your life, do you feel the love of God permeate your whole being? Man, I'm telling you what, it just, it's the most wondrous thing, especially that first experience when you get saved and you feel not condemned anymore but you feel the love of God just totally flood over your whole being and all of a sudden you realize that is the most awesome thing in the world that a holy God loves me that much that he just is touching me and he's cleansing me and he wants to do something in me and he, Paul is sitting there saying that love is what commands everything I do all I have to do is just look at who I, who I was and who I am and what he did for me, and how much he stirs me and pours himself through me, and it humbles me to where it changes the way I look at you and everybody else, and it makes me have a zeal for the things of God. For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one die for all, then we're all dead. Let me ask you something. When Christ died, did he die for you? It, the worst sinner you can think of, the person that's done the most incredible thing you can even imagine. Even this culture that we're living in now, there's been some horrific things happen. Did God's death cover their sins too? And, and, what, and so Paul is sitting here, and, and if, you know, let me ask you something. Let me, let me, I need to probably back up. By the way, I ain't got any notes, so you'll, you'll figure that out pretty quick. I ain't got it. So I'm just, I'm kind of shooting from the hip here. But we're, uh, but I was thinking about, we're talking about being an ambassador for Christ. What is an ambassador? I guess we need to look at that first. What is an ambassador? An ambassador, we have ambassadors. Uh, there's, there we have, you don't see them. Uh, isn't, uh, I see, I guess it's, uh, oh my goodness, uh, whose wife, I see, uh, it was the ambassador to Rome or whatever. We have ambassadors that our country uh, has that represents the president of the United States and our country in all these foreign countries. And we have embassies and we have ambassadors and they are the representative. In fact, when they're in those embassies, that is, I don't care what part of the world it is, that piece of property that that embassy sets on is U.S. soil and has every benefit and protection, and if you touch them on that soil, you are declaring war on the United States. And why? Because they are a representative of the United States, given and appointed by a president of the United States, and they represent us. And so they are very powerful people, and the number one thing is they have a message. They are representatives of a higher power. Amen. And we're looking at tonight that God has called you to be his representative to a lost and dying world. You are assigned privileges and you are assigned his power and all the authority that comes with it if you will do what he asks you to do. I was thinking, I didn't know this until my daughter was in college, but I didn't realize. She now works for the college, but she was as a student and she got some, she got some extra credits paid for and stuff, but she became a, an ambassador. I don't think she'd care if I told this. She was an ambassador for Somerset Community College. 
and so uh, some of you all are familiar with, and uh, and it was it was uh, a good thing for her. But I, I got thinking about that. Why why did they pick? Because there was they had several, and uh, and so there was a group of them. And they had to dress a certain way, and they had to do certain tasks. And one of the things they would have her do is to come and give tours of the college campus and explain. In fact, they had her do videos and all kinds of different things. As an ambassador, she was a representative. She was the face of Somerset Community College to her peers. And so people felt comfortable with her because they realized that, hey, you're just like us. And she did, and honestly, of course, I'm a little prejudiced. She did a great job. I mean, whatever she did, they really liked her in that program. And, and she just did wonderful in it because she represented them well. And students felt comfortable and students wanted to come. And so they're coming to think about coming to this campus. And someone comes and they are very likable and they know how to talk to them. And, they're very, and they feel, I feel comfortable with that person. I want to go where they're at. At, you know, so that it's a smart move on the behalf of the colleges. But I was thinking that's who we are. We are the ambassador. We speak. And one of the things that we do is we're able to say, let me tell you what God's done for me. Uh, it's not that we go out and beat people over the head and say, you need to get saved. You need to get straightened up. All you have to do is say, let me tell you what this awesome God has done for me. Let me tell you. And don't you want that? And that's what we're going to be looking at here tonight. And it says, uh, let me see where I was. In 14, I guess, uh, that if one died. It's saying here, this end of this verse says, when Christ died, he didn't just die for some, but he's already paid the price. What good news. He's already paid the price for every single person we've been praying for. Every single soul. For we see, how, how do we know that? Well, if you, if you looked at our church Facebook today, our scripture that came up was, for God so loved the world that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. It wasn't just the good. It wasn't just those that were uh, lived in a certain country, a certain color, had a certain bank account, believed a certain... It was anybody who puts their trust and confidence in Jesus Christ as their Savior. God died for them and he will save them. So he's saying here, the price has already been paid. What good news to tell those that are lost to say, hey, your price... It's already been, the work is already done. Isn't it comforting for you when you come up and you get prayed for and Scripture says for us to come up, have the elders of the church anoint you and pray over you and, and that you will be healed. And that Scripture that says, I think in Isaiah that says, by His stripes we are healed. Not may, could be, we are healed. What does that mean? When he sat there and got flogged, when they took him and mutilated him beyond recognition, when he went through that incredible suffering, he was paying the price for your healing and my healing. And so the work is already done. The work for your salvation, it's already done. Before he left, when he blew on those disciples and said, be filled with the Holy Spirit, it was already done. The only step is from that moment is that you just receive it. You just reach out and take hold of what He's already done for you. The work's already been done. So we are the ambassadors who tell people the work is already done. All you've got to do is accept it. Goes on, goes on and says in verse 15, and that He died for all, every single person, that they which live 
should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. It's saying for those, the work is done, so what do you do? It For every single person that reaches out and takes hold of that faith, that, that ambassador reaches forth and someone was an ambassador to you that spoke the word to you and hope reached forth and you took hold of that and this is what it's talking about when you take hold of that faith and says the work is already done but he didn't call you to be saved for your own self. It says that he, he died for all that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves. He didn't call you just to add him to the pile. He didn't call you to take a miserable life that was wretched and sinful and say, Lord, let me just add you in there somewhere. Let me find a little time for you each week. He said, no, that's not what I've called you. I've called you to give you a brand new life. We're going to see in a minute. A brand new life. I want to have it all, and I want to give you a brand new life, and you need to live for me. Live for me, and I'm going to make your life full of joy, and I'm going to give you the strength you need to do it. So what a wonderful thing that he not only died, but he rose again, and so we die, and we, we fellowship with him in death, and we raise again to life when we give our heart and life to Jesus Christ. Verse 16 says, Wherefore, henceforth know we no man after the flesh, yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. What is it talking about there? He's saying because of what? Listen, if anybody understands what he's talking about here, it's going to be Paul. He's saying, if I don't look at any the same way anymore he said he's saying here at the beginning of this verse hey I don't look it says that uh, for we have known Christ after the flesh we but yet now henceforth know we him no more it's saying this is actually saying we don't look at we don't look at Christ the same as before I used to look at Christ he's thinking as an enemy I used to look at the church as an enemy. I hated Jesus Christ is what Paul is saying. I was an arch enemy. And just his name made me angry. Just people believing in him made me righteous and angry. And I was the enemy of God. But all of a sudden, one day on the road to, to Damascus, it says that he was knocked off that horse with a bright light. And because the relationship I now have with him, I don't know him as just a person. I don't know him as just a figment of what someone's told me about or something I've heard about. I know him now because I experienced him that day. He transformed my life. He's living in me. And because of what he's done in me, I'll never look at him the same. And the good news, he says, I'll never look at anybody else the same. You know why? Because he looks at... You ever get choked up when you think about what God's done for you? You ever do that? You just you look at your life where you used to be. I'm telling you something. I would never want to go back to who I used to be. I would never want to go back to that guy. And I'm so wondrously thankful that God has had such mercy on me. I don't ever want to go back. And so Paul's saying, if you could see me before, if you could see the vileness of my heart, I thought I was religious. I thought I was a godly man. But I was wretched and a sinner. And I was far from God. And when he came and he had mercy on me. He didn't see me as I was. He saw me as I could be and what he wanted to do. And so now I've learned not to only see him differently, but I see everyone else as different because I know God sees them as a, as a uh, tool. God sees them as a blessing that he can work in and God can change you just like he did me is what he's saying. So he's saying, I don't look at anybody the same way anymore. Hallelujah. And then verse 17 says, Therefore, I love this verse, therefore, if any man be in Christ, the good news is, you could tell those as, you're, as an ambassador, the good news is that if any man be in Christ, give their heart and life to Jesus Christ, he is a new creature, Amen. a brand new creature. It goes on and says, old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. 
There was things on your heart. There was sins listed by the hundreds of pages in your life that said sin, penalty, death. Every page turned and your name is at the top. I know mine was, was very lengthy. All the things that I had done and it was guilty, 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 guilty. But it says here that the reason he's so in love with God and the good news that you can pass to others is when you give your heart and life to Jesus Christ, you now look back at that page because he washed it with his sinless blood and it now says innocent, innocent. Every sin is washed away. You're not the same person anymore. I don't even think the same way. I don't desire the things the same things. I am totally was transformed in one night because of what Christ done to us. And so he's encouraging us to let us know that you can give the good news as an ambassador that he wants to change. You go to someone. How many do you know some of these people were praying for? Their lives in shambles. Their lives are wrecked. They're miserable. You can tell that their life is just direct. And to be able to say to them, let me tell you something. Do you know that the price is paid? And not only that, you get a brand new life. Everything that you're struggling with. I'm not saying that everything is instantaneous, that you won't have any more problems, but the Lord will transform your life and it'll be a strength you've never had before. And He wants to wash it clean. All those things that you've been guilty over, He won't even remember them anymore. Oh, what a wondrous thing when I could get up from that altar and I felt clean. What wonderful news. Hey, wouldn't you want to tell somebody about that good news? Tell somebody about that good news. Hallelujah. Verse 18 says, And all things are of God which hath reconcile this is this is god this this is amazing this is amazing. this holy god that he's talking about being fearful fearful of to have awe of this holy god we see a picture of how much he loves us here and says and all things are of god all the things that i'm talking about is because god's doing it who hath reconciled He's the one that reaches out and pulls us back in right relationship. It's talking about making us friends when we were enemies. It says that God's the one that's doing it. He, he is reconciling us. He said, by the way, it's a key word in this chapter. He says it five times. In fact, it's only like eight times in the entire New Testament, this word that's used here for reconcile, and it's used every time by Paul, and most of the times, like five out of eights right here in this chapter. He, he understands it. Why? Because God seen the sinful life of Paul and says, I can use you. I, I got a plan for you Paul you hate me you're working against me and he transforms his life and it says he reconciled he reached and took me who was an enemy and he pulled me how did he do it through his son Jesus Christ through his son Jesus Christ he brought me and now I'm a friend of God and I'm no longer an enemy what a wondrous good news you're not guilty anymore the price has been paid hallelujah he has uh, reconciled us to himself how by Jesus Christ and then what has he done after that and have given to us and you, the ministry of reconciliation. You, your job that he's given you as an ambassador is to go out and find those that are distant and, and away from God whose lives are shipwrecked and say, i got good news. The Lord wants you to come home. The Lord has already paid the price. He sent me as his ambassador to give you the good news. Everything's going to be taken care of. He's ready to cleanse you and to bring you in right relation. He wants to do a mighty work in your life. And so what a privilege it is to have that call on our life. To the, he wants to give us the ministry of reconciliation. And it says in verse 19, to wit, to, to understand that God was in Christ. It was God that done the work. Reconcile. There's the word again. Reconcile. Bringing us back in right relationship. Reconcile the world unto himself. Not imputing 
their trespasses unto them. He's saying, I don't want you to be guilty for sin. I don't want you to pay the price for your sin. I want to bring you back. I want you back. I want that relationship with you. Son, pay the price for them so that I can bring them back if they accept me in right relationship with me so that I can love them and work in them. What good news? What good news? The price is paid. The price is paid. And so we are given the task to let the world know, let those that surround us, those that are hurting know, that he loves you so much that he paid it. He gave his own son so that he would pay it so that you could be close to him again and he could be close to you. What an amazing picture of a God. Doesn't, it doesn't match anything that in our minds. We see God as this horrible heart. And yes, God's a holy God, but God is a loving God too. Just as, just as real, God's a loving God who wants a relationship with you. Verse 20 says, Now then, we are, here's the word, ambassadors. God has given you that position of a representative for Christ. So God sent Christ as the ambassador to bring you in right relationship with Him. And now He says, I have called you to be the ambassador to bring others to me. To bring them to Christ. Who brings them to me? So he's put us in there. In other words, he's saying, I've got a purpose for you. And that's why that verse a minute ago, and it's going to say it again in a minute, says, I didn't save you for nothing. I didn't save you just so you could uh, uh, feel my love and presence just in your life. I saved you not only for that, but for you to spread the good. You're the ambassador. Mayhem was ambassador for the college. You're the ambassador for my kingdom. Because when people see what God done for you, they are going to be wanting what you've got. Hopefully they do. Hopefully they can see a change. Hopefully they can see a smile on your face. Hopefully they can feel there is something changed in you and a hope in your life. And they want to see, find out what it is. And it's why he wants you to be his ambassador. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. That's the message. That's what we're supposed to go tell him. Everybody, be reconciled. Come be friends with God. God. Let God come in relationship with you again. That's what he wants to do. Don't be an enemy any longer. The good news, it's all ready to go. Verse 21 says, For he hath made him, Jesus Christ, to be sin for us, who knew no sin. You can't just jump over that. You can't just jump over that. He, he didn't just ask somebody, hey, if I'd done a hard task before and I was going to have to do it again, and there's some things I dread, a lot of things I dread actually, but there, there's, there's tasks, you may have done it before and you get asked to do it again, and it's like, uh, okay, well, it's going to be bad. I kind of know what I'm getting into, and you get into it. Jesus Christ was asked to take the sin he had never, ever, ever felt before it is he not only was asked to take my sin which was more than anybody could bury it itself and even Paul understood this because he said I talking about himself am the chief of sinners he realized he was unworthy but he took your sin and all the sins of the world upon himself so we get a picture of Christ that was willing to do that to be an ambassador to you he took every sin upon himself who knew no sin he'd never felt that before He'd never felt guilty before. He had never felt ashamed before. He had never felt distant to his own father before. He had never felt that, 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 that darkness come into his soul before when we turn and do things that's, that's against God. And then all of a sudden, can you imagine him taking and carrying every sin of the world at one time? 
What darkness must have came? What fear must have gripped his heart when he felt the sin touch him for the first time? And when you look at the picture, what happened? It goes on in the rest of that verse and says, that we might, he took uh, sin for us that knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. He said, come here a minute. Let me take your sin and here's my righteousness. He took away our guilt. He took away our filth. He took away our sin. And he handed us his clean righteousness. What an amazing thing that he did for us. Is there any reason why we shouldn't be able to tell others what he did for us who was unworthy? That you've got to, and again, remember this. I Just two more verses. These chapters and verses was put in a whole lot later. This thought continues for two more verses. You've got to see this. In verse chapter 6, verse 1 says, We then, as workers together with Him, we are ambassadors and we work and we point those to Christ who takes them and washes them and then reconciles them to the Father. And so we are working together with Him, Jesus Christ. We plead with you, we beseech you that ye, or that you also, that ye receive not the grace of God in vain. This is where I was talking about. This is the second time in this reference that he's saying you didn't accept the grace of God just for your own self. God has done so much for you. Don't just abuse it. Don't just take it for granted. It's almost like I was thinking as I was reading that earlier, thinking of that scripture says you don't give, uh, don't give your pearls unto swine. They'll just trample them underfoot. Why? They don't even appreciate. Well, they don't understand the worth. They don't understand what they've got. To them, it's nothing, and they just discard it. He's saying that's what's going on. If you let me do what I've done, if you let me carry that sin, if you let me pay that price, you let me die, and you let me raise again, and it doesn't do anything to anybody but you, you've missed the whole point. It's not just for you, but it's so that I can use you as an ambassador and that God's grace not only touches you but those around you. And then finally... He gives us the sense of urgency here. He says, for he saith, I have heard thee in time, in a time accepted. I heard you when you called to me. And in the day of salvation have I secured thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. There is so many people that are waiting for some other day to get here. So many people that have sat in the house of God. So many people that have heard the word of God. So many people that have heard the call of God and touched their heart. And they're waiting for another day to come. But he's saying just as there was a day when I spoke to your heart and you accepted. There is a day and there's only a small period of time that I'm going to be able to do anything in lives. And today is that day. Today when I'm touching. Today when I'm moving. Today when I'm putting a call upon your life. Tell those that I've come. Tell them what I'm trying to do. And let them know that today is the day of God will save today. Tomorrow, we can't guarantee there is a tomorrow. We can't, we can't guarantee we'll wake up tomorrow morning. We can't guarantee we'll make it off this hill tonight. But we can tell you today, right now, is the day of salvation. And those that call upon Him, those that call upon His name, He'll hear them, He'll move, He'll work, and He'll save. Hallelujah. And so He wants to use you. Many times we're content 
where we are. Many times we're content to just, just wait for someone else to do it, but God says that he's got a call on your life. You know what? Listen, if you get this point, there is people, and I've told you this, there is people that you, God, can use you to touch that the rest of this church will never come in contact with. There's people that you're around on a regular basis. There's people that come to you and tell you their problems. There's people that come to you and has confidence in you, and they look to you, and they're watching you. And how many of those people are waiting for you to tell them? How many people is, is, it will, and it will open the door? They'll open the door. They will say something like, boy, you seem happy today. There's an opening. Hey, why, why you got such a smile on your face today? Hey, why are you whistling all the time? How come you're singing all the time? How come you don't seem to get down like everybody else? Hey, how come this situation ain't tearing you up? There's going to be all kinds of things. Hey, I know you go to church. Will you tell them to pray for this? Need? Hey, all these things is God saying, you're my ambassador. There's your cue. There's where I want you to speak for me. There, all you got to do is say, hey, all you got to do, you don't have to get, all you got to do is tell them what he's done for you. That's all you got to, you will be amazed. You will be amazed how God can use your life if you take it serious and say, God, I want, I want to take this serious. I want to be your ambassador. I want to speak for you. And someone comes you to your problem and you say, let me pray right now. Or they say, let me tell you what God, sometimes God just brings to my mind little things and it's just like, let me tell you, the other day someone, in fact, it just came back to me right there. The other day somebody was telling me about a problem and, I, and God brought back a time when he came through and moved for me and I felt like he was going to let me down. I mean, I felt like he was letting me down at a certain point and, and, and I and I've come back and I was able to say, let me tell you something. I'm going to pray for you right now. I'm going to pray because I trust that God's going to move in this. But let me tell you sometime when God came through for me and I thought he let me down. But boy, had he not. Boy, had he not. Boy, and he, he told me, he reminded me later. He reminded me. See, he took my mind. He does this sometimes. God takes your mind. And he says, and, and, you, and you were hurt here. And you felt like, God, you, you didn't even see what was going on. It feels like you left. And then all of a sudden, a few years later, all of a sudden, God says, hey, remember this? Remember back here when you felt like I let, oh, I was right here today, right then saying, just hold on, just hold on, just hold on. I got bigger and better things. I know what I'm doing. What you need. And he's perfect every time, isn't he? And so all you got to do. And so when you tell those things, something else say, oh, that with tears in their eyes, they'll say, boy, that was, that's, that helped me a lot. And you know what? It's not you. The Lord says he'll give it to you. He'll tell you. It's nothing. You're not preaching to nobody. All you're doing is giving them a testimony. You're just telling them about something. If you all got a good deal on meat down at the grocery store and it was half price and they only had about 20 pounds left, and you, I, you know, I'm good. For, this is one thing I'm good at. Hey, if I, see, if I see slick deals, I keep telling you this, but and some of y'all are saying, well, you never send me one. Let me know if you want them. But, uh, but if I see stuff, even tonight, I was here right before service and I seen some stuff that I knew a couple of people would really be interested. They told me that. And I was forwarding stuff. Up real quick oh they're gonna want this they're gonna oh this is great this is exciting and so i want to when i know that something's good going on i want to make sure somebody else gets in on it and that's the way the lord wants us he wants us to be his ambassador he wants to let people know that listen it's not good news the gospel stands for good news it's not just good news it's awesome news it's the most incredible news it's the best thing this world the best news the world's ever had and it's free it's paid for it's available people are wanting it and the devil will lie to you. He will lie to you. They don't want to hear it. He will lie to you. They're going to reject you. And you try and see what he does. See how many times they reject you. I'm I've not been seeing that lately. I ain't been seeing rejection. I've been seeing most people unbelievably open to hearing the things of God. And you just have to make yourself available. Do you want to be an ambassador tonight? 
Do you want, if he'll open the door, if he, if he opens the door for you, will you tell others about him, what he's done in your life? Hey, and if he needs to, hey, you can say, God, I need some more things in my life. He'll do that too. He'll start right there. He'll give you some stuff to go talk about. You know, that's what we need first. If we get all bubbling over here and we get excited about what God's doing in our life, it becomes easy. If you're excited about something, boy, every conversation, you're going to find an avenue. I'm going to tell them about that. Hey, where can I put that in there? I'm going to tell them about it. That's the way the Lord wants to do. You get in that prayer room tomorrow morning and you pray. I promise I'm finishing here. You get in your prayer closet in the morning and you find a time and you pray to the joy of the Lord becomes your strength and God pours His Spirit upon you to where you feel like you're going to shout out of the house. And I promise you, open the door and you'll have an opportunity before that day's over to tell somebody about what's going on. He'll open the door and somebody will need it and you'll feel, thank you God, you was able to do something through my life because it's not me, it's all Him, isn't it? Good news. We've got to tell others about it. But tonight, let's, let's stand and, and tonight... We're going to do two things. One, we're going, to, we're going to worship Him for first what Jesus did in our life. And then we're going to make ourselves available. I pray that you do this. Please do this. Uh, lift your hands as we pray tonight and say, Here I am, Lord. Here I am, Lord. If you'll use me, fill me overflowing. Thank you for what you've done. And then use me tomorrow to be your ambassador this week. Lord, we thank you for what you've done. Lord, you've done such a wondrous work. And God, just as Paul was excited. And Lord, even as Paul said, I'm beside my myself sometimes because of what God's done for me. Lord, let us have joy in God that we would have such a relationship with you that we would abundantly overflow. God, let it happen, Lord, tonight. Let it happen tomorrow. Let it happen the next day. God, let these people, Lord, be so abundantly overflowing with your Spirit. God, that, Lord, there would be many opportunities. God, that they'd be amazed. And that, God, that you would give them the zeal. You would give them the courage. And, God, when you, when you open the door, they would do what you tell them to do. Put the words in their mouth. And, God, let them see the impact. Lord, let souls be brought into the kingdom because time is short. You're looking for people to tell others for you and we thank you for what you're doing. <coughs> In Jesus' name, Lord, we thank you. All that's just right now, praise Him right now for what He's doing and what He's going to do. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You use us. God, you use us as weak vessels. You're not looking for the strong. You're not looking for the powerful. You're not looking for the prepared. You're looking for those who will just make themselves available to you. Those that will say, Lord, fill my horn with oil till it runs over. And God, use me. Thank you, Lord. You're going to do things. Lord, for those who've never done it before, they're going to be your ambassador. And the others are going to hear about the good things of God. Because we live in a generation that needs to hear it. We live in a time and an hour when people are looking to hear it. And they need it more than ever before. God, stir with your mighty power. In Jesus' holy name. We thank you, Lord, and believe you're doing it. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.